Chapter Twenty Three of the Sacred Herb by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Helpless. At Lanwin Grange, all was confusion. About twelve o'clock on the previous day, Mona had left the house with the intention of going to Folkestone to interview Lady Sophia. She was unaware that this formidable personage had returned to London and wished to explain how much she loved Lord Brelis, so that Lady Sophia might offer no opposition to the marriage. From the time that she had left the grain, she had not been seen. Mrs. Blexley was not alarmed until her young mistress failed to return to dinner, as she had promised. Then the housekeeper had sent a groom with a dog-cart over to the Folkestone Hotel at which Lady Sophia was supposed to be stopping. The man had returned with the information that Miss Chent had not been seen at the hotel, and that Lady Sophia Haken had gone back to London. It was then that Mrs. Blexley grew terrified. "'Whatever will his lordship and Mr. Shepworth say?' she wailed. "'They will be fit to take the skin off me.' The butler advised an immediate wire to both the young gentlemen— but Mrs. Blexley, hoping to save the situation, refused to listen, alleging that perhaps Miss Mona, walking across the downs towards Folkestone, had lost herself. But when the night passed and still the girl did not put in an appearance, the housekeeper was compelled to send telegrams to Prelice and the barrister. The two friends, oddly enough, met at Charing Cross Station to go down by the same train. Naturally, they secured a first-class carriage in order to talk over the disappearance of Miss Chent. "'What do you think about it?' asked Shepworth anxiously. "'It is a new move on the part of that blackguard Jadby,' replied the other between his teeth. "'But would he dare?' "'He would dare anything to gain his ends. He tried to shoot you, and now he has kidnapped Mona. "'Are you sure of that, Dory?' What other explanation can there be, Ned? Mona has not returned, and she never went near the Piccadilly Hotel in Folkestone, where my aunt has been staying. I expect after our meeting at Horace's this scoundrel came down and watched for an opportunity to get Mona by herself. Then he kidnapped her. But he could not do that alone, and in England. No doubt he had help of some sort, and the Downs are lonely. Besides, he threatened at Horace's to do me an injury, and what greater one could he inflict than to carry off Mona? Also, Madame Marie hinted that Jadby would strike at me through the girl I love. By the way, I have sent a special messenger to bring that lady down to Hyde. For what reason, Dory? Madame Marie, said Prelice quietly, may be a bad woman. Uncle Simon says that she is. All the same, she loves that Jadby beast and will move heaven and earth to secure him. If he has carried off Mona, as I suspect, Madame Marie will help me. How can she? She can go into a trance and see where Mona is hidden. Shepworth raised his eyebrows. Dory, do you really believe in these magical things? There is no magic about them, retorted Lord Prelice bluntly, save to people who can't see farther than their noses. 
everything works under well-defined laws both in the seen and in the unseen worlds it only needs a person to learn and understand these laws to work what the unthinking call miracles and you believe that this woman yes i do interrupted prelice impatiently you have only to look into madame marie's eyes to see that she has the sight she may be a bad lot as uncle simon says but there are black magicians as well as white ones but there he ended abruptly i am only talking in high dutch to you i confess that i am not superstitious said shepworth thoughtfully occult powers have nothing to do with superstition said prelice in a calm and decisive way everything is law as i tell you and when the law is known certain things can be done by means of the sacred herb the spirit that is the astral body can part from the flesh and go where it will when madame marie arrives at the grange i shall make her help me in that way she will be quite willing if only to thwart jadby but there prelice again brushed away his words with a gesture i have explained enough to a skeptic such as you are let us talk of other matters what do you intend to do about constance shepworth colored and looked out of the window at the landscape which was flying past dream fashion i do not like to discuss mrs rover even to you prelice he said stiffly ned answered his friend don't be a fool if you had confided in me when we first met at jetty's restaurant a great deal of trouble might have been avoided besides you told mona why should you not tell me and prelice waited for a reply i only told mona that i loved constance said shepworth after an uneasy pause naturally i didn't like to say too much i quite understand but the fact remains that you love constance and that constance loves you she is a married woman unfortunately for me said shepworth bitterly and unfortunately for her also seeing that she is tied to a man who hates her more than he loves her rover's pride is wounded ned by his wife's preference for you and he'll make trouble i see that and i wish to avoid trouble for constance's sake but what can i do you can move from alexander mansions for one thing and take a trip to the colonies for another rover may die there is no chance pooh said prelice contemptuously the man's a bloodless little rat and look at those dilated eyes of his like those of a fierce rabbit if there is such a thing in nature i shouldn't be at all surprised if rover pegged out unexpectedly he doesn't motor nor golf nor bicycle nor shoot in fact he avoids all excitements so aunt sophia told me that shows how weak his heart is depend upon it no no said shepworth impatiently even for constance i do not want to build my future happiness on a man's death i shall take your advice and go to australia for a few years it will be better for me and for constance since here we can only look at one another and dare not meet much less speak save in the presence of others 
but there has been no scandal since rover's marriage and so far as i'm concerned there shall be no scandal there we have talked enough poor old chap said prelice leaning forward to shake shepworth's hand you're having a deuce of a time your karma oh hang your theosophy very good one wastes words in speaking to the deaf besides the matter of mona's rescue is more important than anything else hang it how slow this beastly train is this was hard on the engine driver who was doing his best and actually was sending along the train at top speed but had prelice been mounted on a flying bombshell he would have found its speed too slow since his thoughts outstripping all other means of locomotion had flown long since to the house in the hollow however the longest rivers get to the sea in the end and the young men found themselves on hyde platform a motor car ordered in advance by wire waited them and they were soon buzzing upward to lanwin grange on arriving at the great mansion they were met by mrs blexley all tears and lamentation but Prelice, in his stiff military manner, soon reduced her to common-sense talk, and learned that although every inquiry had been made, and every possible place searched, as yet Mona had not been found. She had disappeared as completely as a dewdrop does in the ocean. Even the local police could do nothing. "'Which is just like the local police,' growled Prelice i say ned you take the car and scout over the downs somewhere about there jadby may hold her prisoner oh sir wailed mrs blexley do you think that such a nasty man has run away with miss mona it is the sole solution of her disappearance that i can think of mrs blexley there there don't talk any more ned you go round the downs and use the car for speed I'll wait until the arrival of Madame Marie, and then search Folkestone. Hmm. Prelice looked sharply at Ned. Do you know if Jadby has a boat, or a yacht, or a steamer of any sort? Yes, said Shepworth, starting to his feet. Now you mention it, I did hear him say to Sir Oliver that he had a small steamer anchored in the Thames. But I can't give particulars. Never mind, I'll set the police to work on this possible clue. If that steamer has been brought round to Folkestone Harbor, you may be sure that Mona is held prisoner on board. But if this is so, and Jadby has gone off to the South Seas, which is just what he would do, I'll borrow Uncle Simon's yacht. Twin screw, triple expansion, and a devil to go. I'll follow Jadby to Polynesia, and to hell if necessary, ended Lord Prelice grimly. Arrangements being thus made, Shepworth went off in the car with a policeman who knew the neighborhood, and with the chauffeur who was a magnificent driver, and driving of the best was needed on the rolling uplands of the downs. Prelice left behind, waited for Madame Marie, and in the meantime asked Mrs. Blexley about the herb which Horace had given to the girl. "'Was it in a small white parcel?' asked the housekeeper. "'Yes, it contained some roots and leaves.' "'Miss Mona took it with her,' explained Mrs. Blexley. "'She asked me 
to make a linen bag and then sewed it inside her dress. Good, said Prelice, adding to himself. If she has the herb and can make use of it, she may render Jadby insensible and escape. The reflection that Mona had this means of protection quietened him somewhat, but his anxiety rose again to fever heat when Madame Marie appeared. On this woman and on her occult powers depended the chance of saving Mona. But had Prelice told this to the police, he would have been jeered at. However, he had his own methods of going about things, and it was not needful for him to expose himself to ridicule. He watched anxiously for the fortune-teller, and was amazed when she arrived in the unexpected company of Mr. Dolly Rover. "'What the devil are you doing here?' asked Prelice rudely. "'I shall tell you,' said the little man very deliberately, and looking at the other with his dilated blue eyes. "'This morning I went to see Madame Marie about my wife. She loves Shepworth, and I want Shepworth removed out of her path and mine.' "'Do you propose murder to Madame?' asked Prelice coolly. "'No,' replied Rover with a shudder, while the fortune-teller sat down. "'But I wished Captain Jadby to marry Miss Chent.' "'The deuce you did!' "'To Shepworth, that is. "'I fancied that Jadby could manage the business, and I offered, through Madame Marie here, "'a sum of money if the marriage could be brought about.' "'Oh, indeed, and did Madame Marie tell you—' "'I told him nothing,' interrupted the woman in her deep voice. "'I never intended to, without your permission, "'as I said that I was your friend. "'Your wire came while Mr. Rover and myself were talking. "'That is, your messenger came, "'so I brought Mr. Rover down with me. "'And I came to help find Miss Chent,' said Rover hurriedly. I want her to be found and married to Shepworth. Any money I can offer to help in the search. I have ample money to deal with the matter, said Prelice, pleased to find that the fortune teller had respected his confidence about the new engagement. But I don't see why you need have applied to Jadby to bring about this marriage. Because I know that Jadby loves Miss Chent and wants to marry her, Lord Prelice. As you know, that would not remove Shepworth beyond my wife's reach. I wished to bribe Jadby into letting Shepworth marry Miss Chent, as was arranged. Then my wife— All right, all right, cried Lord Prelice irritably. Don't worry your head, Rover. I'll see to this. And you had better clear off, back to London. Jadby is a rough customer, and if we get involved in a row, it will be bad for your heart. My dear Lord Prelice. Yes, anyone can see. Oh, Pooh, don't worry me. My heart is weak, said Rover with dignity, and my wife's behavior is not likely to make it strong. Nevertheless, I shall wait and help in the search for Miss Chent and bribe Jadby, as I said. He must not marry this young lady. He won't, madam assured him coolly. He shall marry me. Prelice turned to the fortune-teller. Will you go into a trance and see where Mona is? I have already been in a trance before leaving Bond Street. Then you know... Madame looked at him unflinchingly. 
I could see nothing but clouds and clouds and clouds, she responded. Only one thing I am certain of, and that is that Miss Chent is hidden somewhere amongst these downs. Prelis shrugged his shoulders. Much good that information does. I quite believe it, but where? I can't say, but, added Madame Marie with animation, I can tell you that the steamer which Felix owns is coming round to Folkestone Harbor this afternoon. Felix asked me two days ago to tell his captain to take the boat round. I didn't know why he wished that. I can understand now. So can I, rejoined Lord Prelice quickly. Jadby intends to take Miss Chent to the steamer at nightfall and do a bunk. Yes, replied the fortune teller, breathing hard, leaving me in the lurch. But he shan't, he shan't. I'll kill him first. The young man looked at her curiously and wished to ask her if she had killed Agstone. But he did not think that it was wise to irritate her at so critical a moment, so merely asked, What is the name of the steamer? The Canaro. That is the name of one of the Easter Island statues which are worshipped by the natives. Jadby seems to be very closely connected with Easter Island. He certainly has made good use of the sacred herb. What do you mean? asked Madame Marie angrily. Nothing, replied Prelice, wondering why she should grow so angry. But I think we have talked enough. Mr. Shepworth is exploring the downs in a motor car, so you and Mr. Rover here can go also if you like. Yes, yes, said the fortune teller eagerly and with very bright eyes. We can do that but I would rather go alone. No, said Dolly, piping out his decision. I wish to aid in finding Miss Chent. I must get her married to Shepworth. Very good, said Prelice with a short laugh. Go and hunt. I shall go to Folkestone and see after the Canaro. Describe her, madam. The woman did so at once, and Prelice left the house an hour later with a full knowledge of what kind of boat Jadby owned. Walking to Hyde, he took the train to Sandgate, and then used the funicular to reach the Lees. Here he swept the horizon and the harbor with his marine glass to seek for the steamer in which Jadby intended to fly with Mona Chent. But he could see no sign of the boat. Had Brelis been absolutely wise, he would have gone to the police station to engage a couple of constables to board the vessel. But he preferred to trust in his own strong arm and in his own wits, which had hitherto served him excellently. Also, unless the constables had a warrant, they could not board the yacht if refused permission. It was better, thought the young man, to go alone and interview the captain. If Jadby was not open to argument, the captain might be, and an intimation that the law would be put in force if Miss Chent was kidnapped might prevent the commander of the Canaro from risking his own liberty and the liberty of his crew. So Prelice went down to the harbor and watched for the coming of the steamer. To his surprise, he found that she had arrived an hour since and was anchored some distance away from the land. 
There was no doubt that this was the Canaro, as not only did she correspond to the description given by the fortune-teller, but by means of the glass he saw the name on her stern. Lord Prelice acted promptly and engaged a boat to be rowed on board the steamer. When he climbed up the rope ladder hanging over the side, he was greeted unceremoniously by a rough-looking man in a nondescript sort of uniform. In reply, Prelice handed his card, upon which the officer's manner changed to one of courtesy. He conducted Lord Prelice to a richly furnished cabin and removed his cap with an explanation. "'I know your name, my lord,' he said politely. "'Madame Marie mentioned it to me. "'I am Captain Bryson, in command of this yacht. "'It belongs to Captain Jadby?' "'Bryson shrugged his heavy shoulders. "'So he says, my lord, "'but I think that it is the property of Madame Marie herself. "'Still, as Captain Jadby is to marry her, "'they can both own it. "'Captain Jadby wants to marry a young lady whom he is kidnapping.' was Prelice's sharp reply, and if you aid him to do so, the law— Stop, sir, said Bryson, rising. My first mate said something of this today. I'll bring him in. And he tramped heavily out. Prelice waited, but the man did not return. Then he tried the door of the cabin and found it locked. It flashed across him at once that he had been trapped. End of chapter 23